everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly, and I am here today with author, coach, astrologer, Gemini Sun, Virgo Moon, Libra Rising. We were just chatting about all of this cardinal, the cardinal nightmares of these past few years. It is Jennifer, author of the upcoming book, Cosmic Health. And I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you so much for connecting with me today. Oh, it's a joy. Thank you for having me. And what are, can, may I ask what your sun, moon, and rising are? Oh, yes. I am a Leo sun with a Capricorn rising and a Pisces moon. Ah, got it. <laughs> yeah. So my rising is at 12 degrees. So um, luckily, it's been sort of out of the line of fire. I had most of these planets get off of my ascendant. Um, mm -hmm. By 2019, I was like, mm -hmm. you know, well, I had I had Jupiter cross this year. I kind of forget that because it's just been it's such a long year. And when it's Saturn, after year. Saturn crossed, I was like, whatever, it's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> That's done. Yeah, but you had the Jupiter Pluto conjunction in your first house. I'm assuming That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all happening in the first. It's a big party in the first. But honestly, I would take a first house party over a 12th house party any day. At least I'm invited I, to a first house party. I hear you. <laughs> so I'm so excited to connect with you. And I'm also so excited to hear more about this book, Cosmic Health, um, that is coming out in January 2021. Usually I don't care about the Gregorian calendar year very much. But after this last year, it 2021 feels like a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And astrologically, I don't know what you how you feel about it, but it is really quite a very different year. There are many different astrological themes happening. So I think we will be seeing and feeling and hearing perhaps a very radical shift in energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that this year is just ending on such an extremely different note with the um, Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius, and uh, Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius are very different energies. And of course, you know, I keep saying 2021 is going to be a very different year, and still it has a wrath of its own. I do think where we are has a, a bit of a tailwind and a hangover for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that even though it might be nice to idealize the future, and I don't know if you have been getting this comment or message a lot. But anytime I post something that is sort of indicating a future transit, people are like, good news, I hope. And it's like, well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Like, <laughs> but the I hope is sort of feels a little threatening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 2020 was this year where at the very beginning of it, first of all, I went through a really difficult, difficult ending of 2019. So I was personally in my own experience of these transits. Um, as I echoed in my own chart prior to them really having their impact in our our world and our global society. But I remember at the start of this year, giving readings to people and uh, I'm like, it's it, this is a year where everyone's going to go through something. They're like, me personally? Like, it's going to happen to me? I'm like... We're, we're going to collectively go through something, you know, and it was just challenging because uh, the extent of which we were getting restructured this year isn't something that the ego can really grapple with. You know, like we, I found that in my readings at the start of the year, like it was challenging in a way to communicate the intensity of this year to individual clients because we were going to go through so much. We had to unravel on such a deep level that the consciousness we entered this year with isn't the consciousness we're leaving this year with. And that transformation has to happen in its own time, in its own way, to the point where I actually took a step back from giving readings for a minute because like, well, there's really, sometimes people want a reading because they want like a life raft or they want to know you know, how they're going to manage or what's coming up, or maybe they're in their own crisis. But I tend to work with people whom which are using this as a self-development tool and a way to plan and execute their year. Um, so it was just hard at the get-go to really lay down what was going to happen in 2020 without yeah, jumping to the punch because everyone's unraveling was going to happen in their own time. And then to your point around making any kind of uh prediction for the year and or forecast, you know, it was also just one of those years where I'm like, and there's more. Yeah. <laughs> and wait, there's more. And, yeah. Total like infomercial <laughs> announcer uh, all year long where it's like, oh, you thought this? Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. And that is also the case with, I mean, we're 
at the time of this recording, we're on the precipice of the solar eclipse. And we obviously are on the precipice of the Great Conjunction, then a full moon in Cancer, which, you know, we have full moons every month. But I think that the fact that we're concluding with that cardinal energy And then I noticed I was looking at the 2021 transits and I saw that we have Venus going retrograde at 29 degrees Capricorn at the end of next year. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're not done. No, we're not done. We're not done. It's different, but we are not done. What would you anticipate for? Well, instead of just saying this as the year ahead, why don't we say with the shift into the fixed sign energy? Um, as we have all of our Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus squares. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, first of all, you know, 2021, I think, is a radically different energy in that we have the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in at zero degrees of Aquarius, which isn't just a conjunction, it's a grand mutation, and it's the final great conjunction of the year. And I think that we enter into the new year with a ton of new potential, but I keep saying it's like spring, you know, when the sun moves into zero degrees of, of Aries, it's not like there's this burst of spring immediately in the Northern hemisphere, particularly you're in New York or the New York area. Yeah. Yeah. As am I. And it's like, we can often get like the biggest snowstorm, you know, the last week in March, the first week in April. And so the the seasonal shift isn't immediate and we're not going to feel this immediate shift, but I do think we're going to feel Um, deeply different immediately in a way that's animating an invitation to plant seeds that may have a longer germination cycle. Um, And I think that mostly what I look at when I look at 2021 is the Saturn-Uranus square, right? That's going to happen three times throughout the year. And I think of that as the, I keep calling it the epic battle between no longer and not yet, where we're Mm. continuing to dance in this liminality where the old cycles really need to do what they will. And we need to find who we are at the tension of that polarity and that opposition, or it's a square, but it feels like opposite energy in that. Um, Uranus is all about breakthrough and liberation and Saturn's about discipline and structure, but Saturn can also be about holding on too tightly and limiting opportunities where Uranus just wants us to break free and break open. And I actually think it's very erotic, you know, if we think about that, the the polarity of those differences as these two planets square and fix signs and they're both dug in in their own way, that that could be extremely creative when channeled on the like on our erotic edge, you know, like what we find fascinating and deeply inspiring. Um, but you know, for the year ahead, I'm really looking at the equinox when sun, you know, the March equinox when sun moves into Aries, because right after that we'll have um, the Venus Sun superior conjunction where you know Venus's phase shifts, and I think that that is a is an initiation into new energy. Of course, it's Venus in. Aries, but uh, I I do think that that's a turning point for the year ahead. Certainly Jupiter flirting with the early degrees of Pisces is going to be a very fascinatingly different energy. I think by the time we get there, that's going to be deeply different. Yeah, I think that that's really going to signal the healing. Signal it big time. But like you said, you know, healing is cyclical. It's not progressive in 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 like a linear sense. So I think we have a burst of new and then you know we revisit some of where we've been and um and like you said at the end of the year we have that venus station which i think is really incredibly poignant as well in terms of what's to come in 2022 and certainly um beyond for sure yeah yeah i think that that's i mean it was unusual being an astrologer um it's unusual being an astrologer period Period. It was was an unusual thing to be an astrologer, you know, during the 2016 election. But Mm -hmm. I saw Mm -hmm. the transformation at that Uh time of the way that, you know, people suddenly became much more interested in understanding the way that cycles work when you Mm -hmm. expand past Mm -hmm. seconds, minutes and hours and Mm -hmm. you start Mm -hmm. to look, you know, you widen your perspective. But to be an astrologer during a pandemic, fascinating, you know, what an odd situation, because obviously people are now like really like, damn, I'm I cannot I'm stuck in my home. Everything looks so bleak. I can't even fathom what is to come. So, you know, astrologers, what do you guys see? But the truth is, is that we are also 
you know, we don't have uh, solutions as much as we have patterns. And I so want to tell everybody, you know, that here's the light at the end of the tunnel. This is the solution. Here's when things are going to wrap up and everything is going to return to whatever the perceived normalcy was. But that's just not going to happen. You know, everything is compounding all the time. Everything is always building on itself. And when we have these cataclysmic shifts in consciousness, like what we're having in 2020, because everybody is going to be leaving this year differently than they came in, whether they've been directly impacted or by osmosis, they're impacted. So when we move into this completely new state of entering a year from a different perspective than most of us have ever done so in our lifetime, like we're all we're we're all in this together. And like astrology isn't going to save us. Tarot isn't going to save us. Definitely fake gurus aren't going to save us. Like we have Mm -hmm. to all work together. And I feel like that is so the spirit of of Aquarius coming in now is that Mm -hmm. it's like the community needs to show up and continue to have conversations, continue to illuminate continue to share, but there's not a sole source of answer. You know what I mean? No. And, you know, I think that that's, that's awesome because Aquarius is very different than Pisces. And I don't know where you see the changing, uh, the procession of the equinox happening. I don't quite think we're near the age of Aquarius per se in the, in a bigger sense, but certainly, um, Jupiter, and Saturn at a zero conjunction and a grand mutation um, at zero degrees of Aquarius is a huge call to Aquarian values, which are very much around collective consciousness, ideas, collaboration, creativity, and air. You know, we're moving into this epic of history defined by our ability to collaborate and commune in, with ideas in a way that's very different than. Uh, cycles dominated by earth or, you know, the Piscean age, which has been deeply about feeling and martyrdom and uh, yeah, lots of things of gurus in general. You know, I think we're moving into a much more level playing field where creativity, it's really about creativity. And I don't know about you, but I do nothing alone, really. You know, everything's somewhat of a collaborative process. And um, I think we're going to find how much more collaborative we're going to need to be. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you define this age of Aquarius, the air age? Where do you see the boundaries for it? I have been shortening things up by saying age of Aquarius just to get to pack the punch so that people understand where we are shifting. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that we are the age of Aquarius is well, it's different things to different people, depending on how you're tracking time and what Mm -hmm. you're defining an age as. So I'm curious as to how you're defining it. Sure. The procession of the equinox. So, uh, or the axial procession, you know, the axial wobble in terms of the constellation that is aligned at um, the March equinox and that, that alignment. And we know that it's not definite. I, I am so sorry because I don't know the amount of years until that's more certain, but it's still a pretty long way away um, where the constellational alignment at the time of equinox is no longer Pisces and then is aligned with Aquarius. But um, certainly, you know, I mean, so many, so many people have so many different opinions on this at the different entrances into the age of Aquarius and 2012, even summer solstice, or we should say June solstice 2020 happened on some pretty epic alignments with the solar eclipse. Um, Gemini Brett is a wonderful astrologer who deeply studies astronomy and had fascinating things to say about that. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be interesting when Pluto joins the Aquarius party. I mm, think mm-hmm. that, you know, Pluto in these Capricorn degrees in as it's going through 22, 23, you know, it's creeping along. It's going to be doing this for a little bit, a few more years, I think till 2026. But it's, and then I think at the same time, we have a lot of planets that will be shifting, a lot of outer planets that will be shifting in that, at that same phase. I think Uranus oh, yeah. will be entering Gemini. Gemini. Yeah. I mean, Uranus and Gemini Neptune in Pisces, Capricorn in Aquarius. It's just 
a radically different world than the one we're it's in right so now. It's so different. It's so different. It's so different. Yeah. 2025. I think it's mostly 2025 that we feel that that big burst of new. And then obviously there's retrogrades and, and, and various different things that make kind of like a come here, go away. But I think it's 2025. And I do think getting through America's Pluto return um, is going to be a pivotal piece of that, you know, uh, in terms of where we go next and moving even just through the Saturn and Aquarius cycle is going to be revelatory for all sorts of systemic change, as well as the rise of intersectional identities and intersectional power. Power is not the right word, but yeah, just the rise of all those who've been oppressed for so long for no good reason other than cis heteronormative patriarchal values, which have been historically dominant for so long. But I do think that this grand mutation, which do you do have you talked about that with your listeners? Should we break that down a little bit? Let's what that talk means? about it. Yeah. So Jupiter and Saturn meet every 20 years. It, you know, to begin a new, a new cycle. And it's a great conjunction. Um, this year we had uh Saturn and Pluto have a conjunction in the early part of the year. And then Jupiter and Pluto had a conjunction and now we're ending with a Saturn. Jupiter conjunction. And all of these are like it's a 12, 33 year, 20 year cycle. To have them all in one year is so significant um, in that it's just always going to be massive societal changes and some some version of calamity perhaps, but we get to choose how we dance with that. Uh, and then, but the year ending with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which hasn't happened since May of 2000, is pretty significant. And what makes it even especially more significant is that this is the first time that they're conjoining in an air sign. Well, they conjoined in an air sign in 1980. So they mutated to the, for the first time in 1980, and then they went back to earth signs in 2000 as like a one-off in in 1980 it was sort of like flirting with this energy of air. But they had been meeting in earth signs for a very long time. The the rule of thumb is 200 years, but it's not quite 200 years, and I don't know the exact the exact uh, day that that happened to do the math in my head right now because I don't have those notes prepared. But it's roughly been 200 years that we've had the Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Earth signs, with the exception of 1980, and now this is the first of the remaining cycle, which is a grand mutation. So now we're moving into a cycle dominated by air for I think it's 239 years. I think that um, there's a grand mutation in a water sign. And then like the first, like 1980, it comes back to to the element prior. And then we move into uh, a water cycle. And I believe it's in about 239 years. So we are moving into this huge cycle of the social consciousness planets, Jupiter being what we expand, how we expand, and Saturn being what our purpose is in, in no small way in the sign of Aquarius, which is air. So it's like, it's it's so magnified after this year of intensity, we're now changing so fast in a different direction, which is just so different than where we've been with Earth. Um, and I think it's gonna take a minute to catch up, but I also think that there's no going back. Mm-hmm. I know that there's no going back. That's not even a question. Mm-hmm. A-, a way that I have been sort of... Uh metabolizing the change and and trying to tangibly make sense of it is thinking about what the values of earth are versus mm-hmm. air and mm-hmm. earth is obviously so physically oriented you know it wants it's obsessed with real estate it's obsessed with land it's obsessed with money and currency and possessions and gold and like you know the physical world and and having you know agency over the physical world. And now we're moving into the wind, right? We're moving into a different type of energy system, something that isn't seen, something that doesn't have a form, but something that can make radical changes. It's so interesting to sort of also be thinking about the climate crisis in relation to now stepping away from the earth element. And if we, you know, something that's been crossing my mind is like, yeah, I guess when you're in the earth element, you know, when that is sort of the backdrop of your reality, it's a little, you're too close to it to really address it. You need to have a Mm. little more perspective. And Mm. I feel like the air element will offer that perspective where we can really lift off and see, you know, what is going on on the, on the earth, because we are not as compelled to try to, you know, stick land ownership flags everywhere. And we can sort of remove ourselves, maybe even physically, 
to look down and say like, okay, how do we address this? How can we fix this? How can we improve the situation? Because there's no question to me, at least that next year, it's like right off the bat where we're back to recognizing that this pandemic is a extension of colonialism, the climate crisis, extension of colonialism. Like these are all, these, these things are not happening independently. They're all related. So we have to kind of address all of them concurrently, you know, and it's a crisis. So it's, we don't have much time, you know? No, we don't have much time. And, and I, I agree with so much of what you're saying. For me, uh, this awakening um, really, well, I've always been in, into uh, environmental studies. It was a big focus of mine in college. So, I mean, this awakening has been with me my whole life. But the intensity of the current times, you know, in 2018, when Uranus first moved into Taurus, and I was wow, like we are going, you know, Uranus is a ruler of Aquarius and in the fixed sign of Taurus is disrupts and dismantles so much of the status quo around how we're relating to earth. And so I feel like that's really when this consciousness began to be undeniably a part of Uranus's transit in Taurus. Uh, and, and I do think that we are in a time of chaos, undoubtedly, um, but we're also in entering into a time where solutions can be very quick and technology can be very useful in those solutions and certainly collective consciousness around, oh, like, let's get out of these cycles of or these systems of hierarchical, hierarchical status and start relating to each other human to human, you know, humanitarian is humanitarian values are what Aquarius is all about and leverage creativity and collective awareness and collective well-being because none of us are well until all of us are well and like let's fix this and if we don't have an earth to live on we don't have a life to live and so we don't have a life to give to our children and what are we really doing here um I also think that Uranus and Taurus in general is just a cycle is going to in some ways dismantle money you know, the ways that we've been relating to money, which is a scary thing to say, because that ultimately means some sort of economic volatility, which I know it, that's frightening for a lot of people. But I do think that wherever we're at right now is a critical turning point, and we'll definitely get through it and not without a lot of work. And so uh, we have to have radical faith and trust, but also a devotion to this. And I think that, you know, the rise of, of witchcraft or the rise of astrology in these times, as well as this just this remembrance of where we come from and deep respect for indigenous cultures and a deeper awareness of colonialism. And, you know, this is all happening. It's always happened, you know, like there's always been witches and and people who've been aware of the impact of colonialism on a systemic level and astrologers, certainly. And the mainstream swing in that direction is, I think, critical. And I think that that's a lot what the Saturn you're on a square of 2021 is, is we're also so polarized. You know, right. we have people who are deeply on board with, with a whatever it takes mentality to level the playing field and get right. And then we have systems of oppression that thrive because it keeps lots of people in power and lots of people are connected to their wealth and their, you know, their transgenerational inheritances and their, you know, privilege. And I think that that's the battle between no longer and not yet is that we, the work is so urgent and yet the systemic practices and the ways of being in the world that have been so prevalent for so long are not going to just go away. Right, right. And they're not going to go away without a fight, you know, no. especially mm -hmm. because to reevaluate power, to reevaluate money, to reevaluate the role that who has stake, right? That is going to if we if we make changes to that, if we say that we are no longer going to abide by those systems, that means that those people are going to lose their power. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is like the this the entire premise of the structures that we are, at least in the United States, you know, have kind of all agreed to whether or not we have um, actually consensually agreed is that there are these like principles of power. I mean, Trump 
is not going to be in office anymore, but he was in office for a reason. You know, he is a physical manifestation of, I think, what happens after so many years when we get to the end of the Earth Age, you get Trump. You, know? you get Trump. It looks, yeah, it looks like you do. Trump. <laughs> you do. You know, and I keep saying that it's like we're we're not seeing you know more pr- police bruta- brutality. Like it's not happening more. We're just seeing it through because it's being captured more, right? But it's always been there, and we're not experiencing more greed or male whatever Trump represents. We just elevated it to the highest office. And I think that, you know, it ha- these things have to be exposed. You know, we can't we can't bypass what's there. And it, they have to be exposed. And I think um, the exposure is deeply sad and painful uh, and also part of the healing for sure. And I think that the closer we get to a true turning of the ages or the, a true paradigm shift of any kind is like the more we're going to see the opposition, the more the opposition is going to have to oppose. So it's going to be uh, the bigger the fight will be. And I think that that that's so much of the polarity we see right now in this country and in so many other countries um, and the rise of the far right in all of its ways is, you know, it's a dying ideology that's just going to grip and tear because it doesn't want to die. Right. I, it doesn't. I mean, it, it hasn't, you know, for as far back as global history in 10th grade class can recall, you know, it's like history is the story of the winners, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the full picture of what was happening. So for as long back as we are tracking modern history or even ancient history, we are tracking the story of whoever sort of rose to power. And, you know, calling that the empire and calling that sort of the figurehead and the, the, the driving force of that time and some dynasties last thousands of years. But it's, it's fascinating to be at this edge where we're not going to in our lifetime truly see how it unfolds completely, you know, and mm-hmm. for us in this moment to find peace with that to be these sort of like, you know, if we're all connected on this, we're all holding hands through time and like where we are is kind of like passing the torch. And we're trying to usher in opportunities and a brighter future and a more beautiful earth. And it's not going to necessarily be just, you know, it doesn't begin and end with us, but the transition is taking place. And we are responsible for making sure that that is a peaceful transition as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, so I have a book coming out as you, as you mentioned, and knowing that a book was coming out in 2021, but I started writing it in, you know, years ago. And I remember, um, you know, some of the first publisher interactions I had well before the book was even formulated and and suggestions on like, well, why don't we like make like sort of like a light astrology book or like, you know, smoothies for your sun sign or something. And I was just like, (laughs) you should like water spit out my nose. I was like, you know, like in 2020, 2021, no one's going to care about smoothies for your sun. Like, you know, like it's just, that's just not where we're going. And, And just trying to like break down, like we actually like the one thing that matters more than anything is resilience. And that we're coming into a time where distress tolerance and learning how to really hold space for difficulty and, and rise in the face of it is really all that matters. Um, and, and I think that that's, to some degree, what we're both agreeing on here is that uh, there's no pretty bow to wrap this up in. There are definitely a renaissance coming. I personally think that it'll be more like 2025, 26-ish. Um, I think we'll see glimmers of it, certainly, you know, by the time we get to March equinox or like between March equinox and a summer solstice, well, there more, we go through eclipses and and the second Uranus-Saturn square in June, late May, June. And I think that that will be topsy-turvy in and of itself. But I think we'll get glimpses of a rebirth. But they're like, it's like a, it's like a spray of perfume. 
it's not it's not a, a like it's not the whole garden it's just like oh this is what the scent of the garden smells like we've got a lot of work to do to get there and i think these next 4 years are going to be pivotal in terms of staying on it and holding our leaders accountable towards the change that we really need to see in order to have a much more just and sustainable future and i think ultimately you know we we do get there but I think it's just one with a lot of casualties along the way, sadly, and we're in it. You know, if anyone's incarnated in this to be, you know, at this time, like we're all here for a purpose. We're all here for a reason. Like we're all here with some sort of soul destiny or or mission or purpose to um, be a part of this in some way, shape or form. And I see my role as an astrologer, I don't know if you agree with yours, is like, awakening people to their true potential as opposed to uh, the preconceived notions of who they think they are or could have been or validating who they know they are, if nothing else, and ushering, not me personally, but the skill of astrology as using it as a cosmic mirror so they could see themselves in their most raw, naked power and strength, as well as their proclivities and what what they where they struggle in life so that they can face that with resilience um, and embrace it on their journey of becoming because what the earth is going through in terms of all the abuse she suffered it we've we're all going through it you know like in terms of all the transgenerational trauma we've endured through our bloodline and or uh you know the the roles we've played this life it no one no one wants to be the oppressor Right at the end of the day, like maybe, maybe there's some people, I don't mean that, maybe there's some people who want to be the oppressor. Um, but I think we all want freedom and we all want liberation and nobody's free if everyone, if, if everyone's not free. And so that means that someone needs to be someone else's freedom keeper. And that's actually a really shitty job. It doesn't feel good. Right. So it's like liberation, liberatory leadership, it, it needs an oppressor to have to exist, right? Like we can't have liberation without oppression. But ultimately, I think Aquarius is about rising in the face of it all and um and finding freedom within and 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 ultimately freeing our planet, whatever that means. Which means animals, which means plants, you know, I mean it means so much like farming and fishing and the ways we tend to our oceans and our air and our forests. You know, I mean, we've we've done a lot of damage for a really long time. And we have entire ecosystems and nation-state power dynamics and based on controlling and abusing the land. Um, one of my uh anti-racism teachers slash like programs I did this year was talking about how if we really want to undo white supremacy. America needs to not be a superpower for a little bit, you know, if ever again, because to undo white supremacy, we have to undo some of the economic systems in this country, which means that we can't do both. You can't be a superpower and and truly heal the racial divide in this country if the linchpin to that is the econ the economy and the economics around it it's like something's got to be renegotiated and that's a a huge issue it is right because i mean it goes back to then who's holding the power and do they want to let it go and is the if the entire system is structured around people being driven to power and wanting power and wanting money and that is what the aspiration is, then the aspiration has to change. Mm -hmm. And then the way that we teach is different. The way that we think about community is different. The way that we think Entirely. about our individual person is different. Mm -hmm. I am only saying this because I feel like I have been able to glean this from our conversation, but I am so shocked by the astrologers slash spiritual influencer of today who can talk about the age of Aquarius and then also talk about this toxic individualism and like body sovereignty, sovereignty mo moment, you know, it's like all of these things. It's like you can't actually be an astrologer who is thinking, who is emphasizing the individual right now. It is so about the community. We are thinking we have to think bigger than just 
ourselves and our crush and, you know, our baby. We are, mm. have to think about how to protect each other, our neighbors, our extended family of humans who are all mm. out here suffering and hurting. And that healing is bigger than just, you know, an individual's income. It's yeah. us investing our shared resources into shared values. And I really feel like there's an opportunity for ethics to come back and to become something that we really talk about. Because if we're not all collectively agreeing on capitalism, which we shouldn't be in the same way, because you get Trump at the end of the degrees of that, then we have to agree on morals. You know, we have to agree on ethics and things that are bigger and more conceptual than just romanticizing billionaires, which is like very problematic. And only until very recently has that been questioned, you know? Yeah. The myth of capitalism. I think, yeah, I, I it's so complicated because, well, for the longest time, are my, you know, some of the, I mean, I work with a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing clients. Um, and I specialize in helping female professionals, high achieving women slash entrepreneurs in many ways. And it's been fascinating because Uranus and Aries was like the individual breaking out. It was like, how can you use social media, like, you know, um, technology Uranus in Aries personal brand to expand messages? And I think that that was a really important era we went through. Right. The development of the selfie. Yeah. But it also got us Trump, right? Like a personal brand rising to the highest ranks in the American office, right? So there's a shadow side to that. And I think that Uranus in Taurus is like, it. it is reclaiming our, our, our right to be in our bodies, but there's a big and there. And the and is none of us are well until all of us are well. And um, in the past, I've noticed a trend in the people I've worked with and in my I think in in the age that we we've been in where health was about being soothed and comforted and coddled. And even like I was saying at the beginning of this year, like I kind of had to take a step back from reading because I'm like, I can't, as some, a lot of times people come to astrology to be coddled. They want to know that it's going to be okay. Or like, this is what they can work with. That's going to make it better or something. And this was like, just, there was nothing I could coddle anyone with. I'm like, if, if you're coming to me to be coddled, I can't help you right now. Come to me to be activated. Come to me to for sobriety and awareness. Come to me to understand how you can arise in the face of this. Come to me to understand how your soul's breaking open and what you're going to do with it. Come to me to learn how, to, how you're going to grieve into becoming a better person because that's what this year is about. And now, you know, my, my personal work as it, as it relates to my mission is like, Health isn't an avenue for our personal comfort. Health is an avenue for our ability to have the resources to stay steadfast in our mission and our purpose. And all of our missions and purposes need to be at this point geared towards living with ongoing societal crisis. And so if we're going to live with ongoing societal crisis, just as a part of our everyday life, I'm personally very interested in and collaborating on solutions for that personal crisis, right, right? Right, right. So then health and well-being is less about like comfort and coddling and how do I get what I want? And it's more like, how do I take care of myself so I can sustain and and heal what I truly need to heal so I can be an effective collaborator on this journey as we are working collectively to heal ourselves, each other, the planet, and the systems that sustain us. So I've seen that really powerful shift that's very tangible for me to speak to at this point that wasn't so tangible not that long ago around the pursuit of of personal well-being as an end game for self versus personal well-being as a path to self actual actualization so one can sustain joy in their resistance and resilience as opposed to you know looking a certain way to getting some to get something that they want does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's in like the the goop Gwyneth Paltrow era, mm -hmm. it is like cortisol is, you know, bad. Don't stress yourself out. Keep yourself as ivory towered as possible to maintain mm -hmm. your porcelain skin. 
And that's just not feasible anymore, you know, and it's not no longer feasible, but it's also we are holding people accountable and we're saying, you know, stop tuning this shit out. You know, Mm -hmm. we need you to be out here helping or, you know, in your home helping, but not tuning out, you know, not disassociating. We need presence, which I think is going to be an interesting clash with Jupiter in Pisces, you know, because that is going to want to just escape. And that's what it does. And that is, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how we can work with that energy. I think that it's going to create a nice sort of, what's the word, like cushion around Mm -hmm. what's going on as well. I think when Jupiter goes into Pisces, I, for one, am definitely looking forward to it because I have a Pisces moon. So I'm like, can't wait for a Jupiter moon conjunction. But I think that with everything that's going on, which is just so intense, nonstop, having faith, which is a word that you used earlier, I think is going to be really important. And leaning into the spirituality aspect of Jupiter and Pisces is going to be really important, but also staying grounded and staying present and staying healthy and alert and not just like, you know, drifting into substance abuse or cults or, you know, uh, completely delusional mentality is going Mm. to be what Mm -hmm. the struggle is. Yeah, I I see that for sure. I mean, I certainly drug abuse and uh, uh, cults. Geez, I mean, we don't even know what we'll get with Jupiter and Pisces. It's going to be weird. But Jupiter does really well in Pisces. And I see it as a a call to deep compassion and empathy. And in the resistance and or the uprising in opposition to the whole era of Earth that we're leaving behind, there is a lot of, of of disconnect between one another. There's a lot of othering that happens even amid people who are doing the work. You know, no one's perfect. There are a lot of people doing the work um, and there's still a disconnect. And I think Jupiter moving into Pisces is a a glue. It can unify people in a way that, uh, you know, we're just not seeing at the moment. And certainly Jupiter and Aquarius, the weirder, the better, and the more, you know, the more different and the more progressive, the better, right? And the more radical in both ways. I mean, we're going to see it on either side, I think. You got it. You got it. And that's, I think, the battle between no longer and not yet. But I think Jupiter and Pisces is a bit of the glue in terms of bringing us back to compassion, empathy, and understanding that we are connected, you know, and we may all have different backgrounds and different traditions and different obstacles to understanding how we're all connected and different systems of oppression we need to dismantle within ourselves depending on our level of privilege and the amount of privilege we have. Um, But I think ultimately Jupiter and Pisces is a call to unity and and music and healing through art, which I think is a really big piece of where we're going. And I want to circle back to the Gwyneth Paltrow comment around like cortisol is bad to keep me in my ivory ivory tower. I just like that sort of mentality is just crazy to me because you know what the, the the bottom line is, is like we do need everyone on the front lines or at least on their version of the front lines, which means that we absolutely need to be able to be stressed and be okay. And this whole idea that stress is bad, I just think is like, it's just wrong. Chronic stress over long periods of time without recovery is are certainly bad. And certainly stress stressors that are experienced in, um, with like lot, lack of equity in healthcare systems and economic disadvantages for lifetimes is an enormous stress that needs to be undone. But interpersonal stress and or, you know, rising to the occasion to make a change in the world, we need that kind of stress and we have to be able to cope with it. And it's just, it's, it's like the science doesn't even back it up. Like stress is bad for us. Yes. There's lots of scientific studies that can prove that. But you know what's actually makes it worse is believing it's bad for us. And there's a lot of scientific studies that just really showcase that when we have a mentality around stress, a resilient mindset around stress, which is like, sure, I'm stressed out now, but this is who I'm becoming in the process. We actually, stress is actually animates our a, a better version of us through the lens of health in a way that I just think is an important narrative to rewrite. Whenever we do something that's going to push us to our edge and ask us to self-actualize and stand in our truth and our leadership, it's going to be somewhat stressful. 
bottom line, end of story. But that doesn't mean it's bad. What's bad is if we don't recover or we continue to abuse ourselves or we don't acknowledge that we're under stress and then do something to soothe ourselves or have, you know, everything cyclical. So if we're going to, you know, have a waning moon, we need to have a waxing moon. If we're going to have a stressful day, we need to have, you know, if we're going to have a full moon, we'll have a new moon. We need to to have some sense of semblance of semblance of rhythm and rhythmicity. But fuck that. Stress stress is okay. Like it's okay to to have an experienced stress. It's a part of doing your work. And I just think that we need to uh dismantle that myth for sure. Yeah, I think that it's important to empower everybody to feel like capable of this yes. moment. And everyone is, you know, I we are here for a reason. Every single person in consciousness right now is here because they can handle it. And mm-hmm. I genuinely in my my deepest most moon and Pisces soul believe that people would not be here if they could not tolerate this moment. So if anyone is here and is saying, I can't believe I'm living through this, this is so hard, it's like, yeah, but you're here, which means you can do it. And I really believe that everyone has been, we are so, you know, each individual is ready to to handle what this moment calls for, and it might be very uncomfortable, but that's the journey, you know, and that's what vitality right now is and that's what Mm, it means mm -hmm. for us to stay alive yeah and and we do need to stay alive right we do need to be vital um and yeah so there's an so self-care and service to our vitality so we can endure bigger stressors in life so we can work collaboratively and collectively to change the 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 destiny of this planet you know like that's what i'm that's what i'm really interested in and and doing in in my own life and through the work with my clients at this point um and then just speaking to you know the nature of the planets that have been in play so you know saturn saturn will push us to our limits but he's not going to give us more than we can handle pluto on the other half on the other hand will break us and it is more than we can handle but the purpose of it isn't for us to to be so overwhelmed that we can't handle it that we just don't have the rebirth. You know, Pluto is the death rebirth cycle. That's what it is. Like we die to be reborn. And so we are dealing with things. I think that we, the the people we were a year ago couldn't handle, right? And then the opportunity is, is that we break so we can, we can actually become the person who can handle it. So it's like, we are being pushed. We're being pushed so hard in so many ways. And and the invitation is, can you be reborn, right? Can you mm. can you be reborn as the person who can handle it? Can you let that version of you go, the person who was so precious and or couldn't imagine this or like couldn't imagine a year without parties or having to cancel something major or whatever it is, we're all going through our own various sacrifices. Um, Certainly segments of our population with less privilege are going through way more fucking sacrifices, and they have been for a very long time. But no matter what, we're all being asked to retire a version of ourselves. It has to die. And then what we're being invited to is into a rebirth that's more expanded and capable. So I do think sometimes we're given more than we can handle, but it's with purpose. Yeah, I I hear you. I I appreciate what you're saying very much. I feel like you know, with my eighth house stellium, you are really speaking to so much of my personal soul and how I have been able to, you know, why I found astrology. I found astrology because I have, I had like already almost died so many times, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was at that point that I found myself sort of like, how do I explain this weird, (laughs) this weird Mm -hmm. thing that I keep putting myself through? And it was only with the tools of astrology that I began to shift the cycle so that I wasn't hurting myself through each karmic rebirth and each sort of like letting go and loss of ego and sort of reconciling and trying to figure out like, what's my role? What's my role? What's my role? And I really feel like, I mean, these are, this is open source material. You know, this is for everybody Mm -hmm. to use and to explore and to personalize because the micro is the macro. So Mm -hmm. through using astrology as a personal tool 
and really synthesizing to get to your truth and to find like the the sort of like bigger narratives that define you we can all sort of show up as our best selves for this time and everyone will be playing a different part i mean just like the fucking horrific list that you said you know we have our oceans to worry about we have our forests to worry about we have the agriculture industry you know there are so many different systems that need to be dismantled there are so many different systems that need to be um, shifted or changed or evolved in some way shape or form and everybody is going to be pulled to something and if we find the things based on our past our truth our core values that really resonate with us and we're not faking it where it's we're really embodying it i am confident that everybody will be able to help out in this big 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 moment where everyone needs to play a role in some way shape or form you know yeah yeah hands down and then you know and i think that that just comes back to what you said before around ethics you know thinking about so much of what i've seen this year it's wild i mean it's wild it's just wild and, and like i I know that your listeners can't see my face right now, but like, I'm just like, so this year has been wild in terms of just the amount of misinformation out there around what and where we're going and what, you know, I don't know, just the whole rise of the QAnon infiltration into the health and wellness world. And this idea back to the Gwyneth Paltrow comment back to like, and I don't know where Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't know her politics. I don't follow her at all, but it's just this idea that like health and wellness, I guess is even more what we had already said is like this tool to our own personal elevation versus a tool to our collective well-being. Yeah. It's just been a crazy year to see how much, health and wellness has an astrology in, in general. I don't want to say it's been co-opted because I don't know if that's the right word, but it's been used as a tool to explain this like paradigm shift we're going through where some of us will ascend and we'll leave behind th these earthly problems because we've earned it. Like our own meritocracy is going to get us out of here. And, yes. and it's it's your fault if you didn't get there because like you could have just been thinking viber, vibing higher, like whatever. Versus this idea, you know what I mean? I'm just like, wait, wait, yeah, wait. I mean, this, this is, is exactly what fiction. I was alluding to with the, you know, the individualism, the toxic individualism, where it's like, what are you talking about? You know, it's so I, wild. I know, and I don't know if people who aren't on social media, you know, presenting and public facing as an astrologer are seeing it. And I, I'm actually, I know that they're not because I've had conversations with people who, when I tell them what I have seen, are shocked. They're like, really? That's going on? And to me, it's like, it's my whole, I've had to block so many people. I've oh, had I've to unfollow hate so mail. many people. Oh, I, I, I yeah, lost I like mean, hundreds of followers and like the drop of a dime because it's just like. Absolutely. But, wake up, wake up, wake up nonstop. When are you going to wake up? People predicting when I'm going to wake up. And it's like, bitch, I'm awake. Stop telling me to wake up. It's rude fucking Pisces moon let me sleep but no in all seriousness it's it it has been very alarming and it's wild it has, I, I am it's I am so wild. disturbed by it I don't know how to make sense of it and now I'm starting to realize that it's not um that what we're seeing is going to have a ripple effect and we're seeing I think something that is going to scale and I, I'm surprised that others aren't aware of it, but I think that maybe it's because of the role that we're playing on social media that we are, but that it hasn't infiltrated as much as we think it has, but it's going there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, I think it's fully infiltrated. And I think that it's, I don't know how to say it. Like I've had to make major decisions this year, like even like pulling a foreword out of my book written by, you know, someone whom, which I had one time and deeply admire. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I can't like, I didn't even like, I didn't even understand what was happening until I was like, wait, what? And, um, and then I've talked about it to other colleagues of mine and I'm like, no, we, like this needs to be denounced loud and proud. And it's like, 
They're like, but I don't see that. And that's not really what's happening on my platform. I'm like, but it's happening in every crevice of all platforms, Uh, whether it's named or not. And it's just, it's a tool of misinformation. It's fantasy thinking. It's actually, um, dare I say, extremely juvenile, if not profoundly dangerous. And, um, And I think as astrologers, it may be more obvious to us because the astrology community is divided on this topic. Like many astrologers do believe that we're going into some 5D reality. And then there's like, uh, but 5G is not, 5G is the problem, but 5D reality is good. So it's really just be careful with the, yeah, be careful with the letter you use. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like 5G versus 5D. But I, 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 yeah, I mean, we have our work cut out for us. We really genuinely do um, as a collective because there's no, the definition of ethics has been so lost for so long that to come back to a collective meaning of what it means to care for our neighbors and to solve a problem through science and collectively heal, we're not working from a definition that is aligned. We're working from a definition that is privatized and then propagated. And uh, I think that that is absolutely the biggest battle we face in the age of Aquarius, where technology or or however we want to define it, Jupiter, Saturn moving into Aquarius, but where technology and thoughts spread so fast, right? Like how right. do we how do we know where all these like mind viruses are going and coming from? And and you know, someone called me out, a follower was like because I took a strong stand and they're like, so not, not agreeing with you means that we're not right. And I'm, and it's like, that's not what I'm saying. Like everyone can have their own opinion. And on my platform, we're actively not promoting a conspiracy theory as a rule of thumb. And I don't tolerate racism, you know, like, cause like, those are the two things. It's like, we all, anyone who's you know, European descendant and or white skin has a lot of anti-racism work to do. So I welcome that, right? Like anti-racism for sure. And like, but not like, are you fucking kidding me? In any event, people are, um, it's a very polarized, divisive world out there. And I think that we have a lot of work to do on just getting to a definition of what it means to be a human on this planet. And especially with so many thoughts about us being able to like manifest our way off this planet, that that's a huge battle. Yeah. I, I really, I encourage everyone to not wait for the aliens to lift us off and to bring us um, into a promised land because it's just not helpful. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really just spiritual bypassing. It's not happening. No, it's just not. And um, I encourage people to read science fiction. I encourage people to read, you know, critically, to read Mm -hmm. thoughtfully, to read with context and to enjoy their imagination, but not to subscribe to philosophies and to thoughts and conspiracy theories that are destructive, um, racist and deeply, deeply uh, oppressive, you know, at the end of the day, because well, it's ignoring. Yeah, selfish, completely selfish. It is just choosing it's getting gaslighting, you know, it's ignoring everything that's going on and saying like, sorry, you're low vibration. Sorry, I'm going to go ascend. And it's like, where, where are you going? Or accusing going? people of eating fucking babies. Are you kidding me? Like, like what? Who's eating babies? Where are these babies getting eaten? Like, wh- what is that? Like, it's like not even real in any well, event. What I, I have found is that it seems, you know, in sort of my last hurrah where I just barreled through these accounts before I blocked everybody. I just had one, you know, great hour where I was just like, watch. I just was like, I'll just take it all in. Let me just see what's, what they're saying. And it seems like it's a it's not the process of being right. It's the process of being extreme. So it's like the reposting is like it could be anything, but it's like, oh, see, there it is, like more proof. And it's like the most ridiculous. It could be an onion headline, but because it's topical, extreme, salacious, 
there's sharing because it's like, well, checks out, you know, there it is. And it's no context whatsoever, um, no thought. And it's sort of just it, it's with it's sharing with the intention of creating inflammation, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and mounting that pressure and not to take a step back and see what's going on. How does this you know, how does me sharing this um, would affect other people? Could it affect other people? Could this send the wrong message? No, it's like very intentionally trying to be destructive is what it seemed like to me. But granted, I also went through all these accounts in an hour. So I downloaded in air quotes, a lot of information at that time. Yeah. I mean, it must have been I was working on my book edits pretty intently in May and June. And I didn't come out on like my book edit uh, like little, like, I mean, it was pretty intense for a bit, bit of time, um, until like end of July. And then that, that's when I was like, what is going on here on social? And like, what, what is, what's happening? And like, where is this coming from? And wait, what? And at, at that point I was like, this is an immediate no. And, um, and started shutting it down. And then I did, but I didn't realize how much of my following was caught up in it and how much, yeah, I just didn't understand. So I it slowly became available for me to like really see how prolific it had been. And what I've realized in all of this is that, and I think that this is a good point to to as we like move towards the wrap up of our talk, is that no one's the victim. You know, like there are victims of systemic oppression and there are victims of racism, but privileged white folks you know, coming back or pissed that they can't go to yoga or whatever, like that's not, there's no victimization there. It's, it's, I don't know how to say it, but the, the mentality that someone's out there doing this, like that there's this conspiracy, that there are people holding power and faking a pandemic and forcing inoculations and, you know, immunizations on people to control them is to take the ultimate role of the victim. It's to be the ultimate victim. And that, I just don't understand how that's productive and or even slightly high vibe at all, if that's what we're going for is like high vibe. Um, because it's, it's, it's actually going to the low side of all this, which is martyrdom in, in the, the most impure sense. Um, it's actually very Piscean to feel so victimized in that way. Like we're going to talk about like through archetypes of ages and where we're going is about liberation and uh, rising into leadership in new and exciting ways. And I think that that's the future. Um, And I think that it's sad that so many people are willing to take on the role of victimization and and spread disinformation on how we're all being victimized in this way that we don't know unless you know and if you know you're hip to it because it's it's just an old story that's just not true. It's very – it's fascinating to think about how exceptionalism – is one of the myths of the United States. Capitalism. And, yeah. And it is what we are specifically up against right now in, you know, even just the way that a pandemic has been led is it's not our problem. You know, it's the China virus, hands up, not our problem, not our problem, not my problem. I don't have it. I'm not wearing a mask you know, don't do this. It's not my, no one's taking responsibility. And I think that where we're moving is everyone's taking responsibility. You know, everyone has to take responsibility. It's time to take responsibility. You know, too many, too many generations of not my problem. And now it's, it's all of our problems. It's all of our problems. There's no, there's no backing out of it. There's no vibing away from it. And, and it's, and you're not the victim in in the fact that we all need to face this you you know like you're we're we're not like it's it's our responsibility and it's our duty for not just our lives but for any future generation for the plant animal world and if you share this idea that we're all connected or there is a spiritual source sometimes spirit gives us huge problems so that we can animate our bigger purpose and that's what we're up against. Well, Jennifer, this has been truly delightful and also um, refreshing because <laughs> in 2020, you it's nice to, I have to say, to meet another astrologer who I feel shares so many of my ethical 
standards and how rare it is and how special it is and I, how much I appreciate it. Um, where can we find you and where can our listeners continue to support your mission and your work for the greater good? <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Jen Rassiope. Um, My website's jenniferassiope.com. And uh, my book, I don't know when this is coming out, but right now there's a website for it, cosmichealthbook.com. That will eventually just get folded into my website. Um, But likewise, uh, these are trying times that are ultimately very confusing, though not that confusing. Um, And it's lovely to meet you and to have had this conversation. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. 